Hello and welcome into the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Mike Graham, joined as always by Brian Navarrete. This podcast is brought to you by UMC and AJ Media. And here we are, Brian, week zero. Yeah, it's been exciting. We've been out to a couple places so far. We've seen some football. Obviously, it's not Friday nights yet, but we have seen some teams kind of uh, face off against each other rather than hitting themselves. That's right, and, and week zero used to be the term of the beginning of the season. That, of course, is week one. But what week zero is now is scrimmages for all our teams and not just teams at the 4A level or below. So the 5As and 6As of this area are getting into the mix, and, and next week they'll be getting ready to go. In fact, some of them have six-day turnarounds from when their scrimmage is to when their games are. So it's a really exciting time. And what are some of the things you've seen from your scrimmage? You saw Idalou and Snyder last week, and, and it was a pretty impressive live quarter they played against each other. Yeah, um, actually what I saw is kind of what everybody already knew about Idalou. They like to run the ball. They have a good contrast between uh, Xavier Rodriguez and Mark Caballero, who's an all-state honorable mention returning uh, running back who almost went for 2,000 yards this last season. But between those two, they have a really potent uh, run game, which if you read my gamer, that's what I kind of focused it on. Xavier Rodriguez is just kind of that bulldozing running back, uh, fullback actually, and then Mark Caballero is just fast off the edges, and he's not afraid to run up the middle either. Um, out of Snyder, they have a pretty good quarterback. He's got an arm. I think the offense was still trying to find itself, you know, uh, at least get clicking. Uh, he, there were some passes that were really impressive, but the offense just kind of got tired. And talking with the coach, he brought up one thing that you don't really think about, whenever you're uh, watching these scrimmages or anything like that, it's that his players are conditioned, but there's a different kind of conditioning that you need for a live quarter, for a live football game, and that's what the scrimmage helps you kind of gauge. You know, because uh, you can run to the cows, come home, run all day, and be in the best shape, but it's not the same as, you know, conditioning and going live against another team. Yeah, I'd say he's exactly right. I mean, these players spend all the summer months doing things like the performance course or, or something similar, and they flip monster truck tires down their field. But those things are consistent motions, and football is a game of starting and stopping. So it is a little bit different. And then it doesn't take a long time to make the jump because these kids are so well-conditioned because of what they did in the summer. But there is a jump. So, I, I and, and just to use the word jump again, I think there's a big jump from scrimmage number one to scrimmage number two for these guys all the way across the board yeah i completely agree uh next time around these kids are going to know the speed that they're going to have to go at in order to stay you know competitive the whole time which obviously every coach is going to say full speed but it's definitely different i think but i I think the second scrimmage around some of these teams are going to look a lot better and I'm betting that Idaloo is going to rank pretty high for you when we get to our bold predictions segment later in the podcast. Definitely. I was impressed with what I saw out of Idaloo. I had New Deal and Smire. And, you know, th- those are two teams that for the past couple of seasons have been on different trajectories. Uh, Smire is trying to recover from a 1-9 and nine season. New Deal went 10-2 and two, um, and was very competitive with Abernathy within its own district. And, of course, Abernathy won Region 1 of 2A Division 1. So... It was interesting to see them meeting on the field. Um, and Jet Whitfield, who I think everyone knows about from New Deal, ran for 70 yards on the first play, and they doubled Smyers' yardage in that game. So really impressive defensive performance from New Deal. Um, and Smyre, they're, they're obviously 
hurting, but I, they didn't look like they were far off from from being a team that could run the ball effectively. So I'm I'm really excited to see how they shake out, especially jumping to scrimmage too. Probably gets a little bit easier than facing New Deal's linebacking core, which is maybe the best I've ever seen at the two A Division One level. Just that positional group, I think, looks very very good. I think uh, kind of going through your gamer and uh, just kind of trying to keep tabs on that said scrimmage. Um, after last year, I kind of had a question mark as to who was going to take over at quarterback, who was going to be the guy for New Deal. Obviously, Jet Whitfield was a name that we knew from last year coming into this one, but you never really know until you get out there and see them play. Obviously, they they graduated a, a wonderful running back in Mark Adams and a very, very good quarterback in Jackson Durham. So. I was wondering who was going to be the offensive threat, but I guess that kind of just found itself there in that game with that first play. I mean, 70 yards yeah. in the first play. Uh, yeah, that's pretty great, impressive. Great blocking, too. It was a draw, and he just took oh, okay. off. And great running back core, too. So I, th- I think New Deal's for real. Yeah, yeah. And um, as we go further into the segment, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about these districts. Yeah, that's going to be a war and <laughs> bold predictions. Now, that wraps up what we saw in the scrimmages, but we've also made some practice visits. And, and Brian, I know you're excited about what you've seen so far and what you're going to see later in this week. Yeah, I haven't quite figured out where I'm going to be and heading into the week, but I know where I've been. Obviously, Lubbock Christian last week. It was real fun to go out there and kind of uh, just witness their program and see what they do on a daily basis. A funny story, you know, I'm out at the field and – uh, they're painting the field getting it ready for scrimmage in the next day and I'm just standing there and finally one coach kind of looks over at me and he's like uh, are you the reporter I said yeah and he's like we don't practice over here we practice way over back over there by the softball field so I'm trekking around this little mountain and to find like this hidden football <laughs> field place I just thought it was kind of neat but um, no impressive I would say I was impressed with the coaching staff there they were getting those kids running through drills, and they were going through each and every one um, without any slacking from any of the kids. Uh, they run a no-huddle offense, and they did this one drill that I was really impressed with where they go down the field. They call it uh, offense on air, I believe. They just run plays. You know, they'll, they'll run a play, and one of the players will set the ball someplace else. they got to run to the ball, run the play, and they go down the field and back, but they're timed. So it kind of helps with getting to know that no-huddle offense because that's something that can be kind of difficult to run at the high school level. Love it, Christian, of course, won TAPS Division Three District 1 last year. And I'll tell you what, it seems like it'd be a fun place to play your football because it's it's not just that you're on a winning team all of a sudden, but also some of the things they get to do. I mean, their district is roughly the size of Texas. I mean, it goes from Winster, it goes to Amarillo, it goes to Fort Worth. I mean, it is an enormous district. So there's a lot of travel. They get to go stay in hotels frequently. And they do this thing called Man Chapel, which is where the coaches, because these guys aren't only coaches, they're also kind of the spiritual guides of this team since it is a a Christian school. And they get to um, uh, do uh, testimonies and things like that on the road. And and that seems kind of cool. I mean, that's that's definitely a, a completely different experience than you would get at any public school. Yeah, it's... It's always weird for me when I see those kind of things because uh, I grew up in a public school, but 
uh, these other aspects of the football game that they bring to it, it's just different, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. Yeah, I went to public school too, so that that largely stayed out. But um, my visits, I've been, I went to Muleshoe on Monday, and that was a fun drive. I, I had a lot of fun. I mean, it's there are so many cool things when you go out that way, and it, just rediscovering West Texas along the way. And That's very country, I would say. Yeah, it was cool, and, and the team looked really good. They're not the biggest. 3A Division One team I've ever seen as far as physicality, but I think they're going to be able to fling the ball around with new quarterback Luke Del Toro. They've got some sizable, um, shifty uh, receivers, and, and the running game looked pretty good. Uh, they didn't practice so much on defense; it was all about their fits. Uh, but those bodies, pretty much everyone at Mule Street is playing both ways, and and they look like they're going to be an athletic squad. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, how their new quarterback's going to perform. That's a big spot on that Muleshoe team. Whoever takes over at quarterback, that's always very key, as it is in any other team. But, you know, for them, like, that's going to be their guy for the rest of the year. He's going to be the leader. So I'm excited to see how Muleshoe kind of puts it together this year. Obviously, they've had uh, two different quarterbacks in the last two years. So I think that they work well with getting those kids ready, you know, because the offense – uh, the last two years has been impressive, I would say. Another team I've seen with um, quarterback things to figure out is Lovett Cooper. And I think we're both pretty familiar with, with Cooper now and, and what they're bringing back and, and what they're not bringing back. And what they're not bringing back is uh, Jarrett Dagey. But they've settled on two guys that can, um, that can be competitive. And, and they're having a hard time choosing between them because they're effectively the exact same player. Now, I'm curious as to what kind of player that is, because with Jared Daigie, you had a pass first, always pass. Like, they were going to let him throw the ball, air it out all day, every day on that offense. And in the year before, I was used to a quarterback that ran the ball. He still threw the ball, but he also ran quite a bit. So I'm curious as to what you saw out of those two. Did they, are they pass first? Well, or? what Coach Catwinkle said was that they're moving on to the, back to a running quarterback again. These guys can throw the ball and – um, they'll probably go short and intermediate usually, uh, but they're going to add threats in the running game, which is really nice because they have a really impressive back behind them and, and Elijah Boyd, who looks big and durable. So at the end of the day, they're definitely going to be multiple, mm -hmm. but it might lean towards the run once again like it used to. And that's I feel like that's very impressive for any football program to be able to do kind of switch your schemes up between the seasons. I know uh, there's some uh, programs that you start learning the offense when you're in junior high, and that's the same offense you run all the way through to your senior year. So for the coaching staff to be able to switch it up as a, according to their personnel, especially at the high school level, I think is that much more impressive. Yeah, and a big testament to the kids too and their ability yeah. to pick it up. I, I had a really hard time when I played picking up plays and formations and stuff just personally. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, and I left them out. But, yeah, you're right. That's big on them being flexible and effective at the same time. And then finally, the, the other team that I visited was Monterey. And we've talked a lot about Brylon Lawson-Young, but getting to see his arm, he's for real. Oh, man. Um, I guess I never really noticed that he's a lefty. I saw him play last year, but uh, between him and Jaron Jones switching out, I remember looking at my stat sheet and saying, oh, man, was that Brian Lawson Young or was that Jaron Jones? Which obviously Brian Lawson Young, was he threw the ball. He could throw the ball, and, and he was effective. And my stats never got mixed up. Uh, but, yeah, I forgot he was a lefty. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and that's, that's going to be the problem for him going forward. Um, 
great quarterback, and he'll probably get picked up somewhere. But a lot of schools are afraid of left-handed quarterbacks just because when you have one, you have to reverse your offensive line, the, the two tackles. And if you have a tackle that's experienced and he's used to leaning in one way or taking his first step a certain way on the right side, he can't just go and, and do it on the left, you know. And um, and that first step is key for every lineman. Yeah. You know? Almost muscle memory. You get used to it. But uh, I – I've seen offenses where they flip and where they keep them the same, like your right tackle is your right tackle and your left tackle is your left tackle. But I've also seen offenses that, you know, you're the strong tackle and weak tackle where you're flipping all the time. So, Yeah, yeah. I know talking to old Texas Tech coach Lee Hayes, he said that it was, it was just it was hard for them to reverse their tackles, kind of like when you run on a track, you groove your knees yeah. a certain way, so then the next day you have to turn around and go the other way or else you're going to, like, warp one of your knees. It's kind of like that for the linemen. They they get they get into a routine, the way they step and the way they handle things, and they can't get out of it once they're in it. That's a good way to put it. I never thought of it about that, uh, or thought about it that way. A track, you know, you, you can consistently turn left, you know, just left, 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 left. You get into a groove. So I, I've never thought of it that way, but it's a good visual. Now that being said, out in East Texas, I got to cover Gilmer quarterback McLean Carter, who's now at Texas Tech, and. That was kind of their hesitation with him at first, too. And then they decided that his arm was good enough. They were going to take a chance on him the second time he came available. He went to Incarnate Word for a year and decided he didn't like it. And, and Tech offered him after he spent his sophomore season at Tyler Junior College. So really excited to see how his thing, how Brylon Lawson's young uh, career beyond high school pans out. I know he'll get an opportunity. It's just how big will that opportunity be? And this season's going to have a lot of bearing on that. Yeah, um, outside of Lawson Young, uh, I heard Monterey has a pretty big offensive line. They do. They have four established starters, and then Coach Hutchinson believes that they have four other guys that allows them depth. So it's going to be tough to break away that depth this year. And, and the hard part for them, and something they're going to have to do this week, is they're going to have to decide who that – fifth guy is that's going to make up their opening day offensive line and when you have four people to choose from it's a tough decision yeah it's also not a bad problem to have I think we mentioned that last week <laughs> it's a good position to have or it's a good position to be in because you do have depth at the offensive line so uh, if I always like to think things start at the offensive line and then you kind of go backwards from there obviously because center <laughs> and everything but no, uh, I think that's a good problem to have for Monterey. Anything else you kind of saw from them? Any standout wide receivers, running back? Uh, they used the running back sparingly last year, but uh, anybody else you kind of saw from there? Well, you know what? It was a big pass-oriented day, and okay. all the receivers looked pretty good. But I really like Trey Manhan. He um, definitely surprised me. I'm very familiar and, with. And, and nice catches. I mean, he, he doing little 360s when he caught. and <laughs> I, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be um, kind of aerially – oriented uh, not as balanced or leaning towards the run as Cooper and I think it's going to work out for them especially when you consider their offensive pieces their big arm quarterback their athletic receivers and an offensive line that can protect them and should one of them get hurt someone else is going to come in and they're still going to be capable of protecting Lawson Young yeah um, and I'm more excited to get more into the district as we move on you know to our last segment of the day but I think we have some um some other subjects we wanted to kind of move on to? That's absolutely right. Volleyball, uh, Leveland Tournament, 
another good weekend of, of competition. Uh, All Saints taking third, Leveland taking second. And who took first? Seminole. Actually, it was a really good game. Um, uh, uh, we had the Brad curse going on. Every game uh, me and Brad attend, we go full sets. And this one, it was uh, three sets. And uh, obviously in tournaments, you're going to play three sets. But it was interesting how it started because Seminole just jumped on top of them real quick. I believe uh, at one point it was 10 points to two in favor of Seminole. And uh, they just continued to dominate that first set. It kind of seemed like we were going to be done early, that they were going to just, you know, end up getting the sweep. But no, Leveland comes out and they win that second set. Really impressive. They come out on a three-point run, and from there, Seminole was competitive, and they were kind of exchanging. But the fact that Leveland got that first three points, I think, helped them just hold off Seminole and get that second win. Now, in the third set, um, Cooper did the same thing, except for something happened this time around. Um, they were down by, I believe, Seminole was down by eight points. Next thing you know, they're going on a five-point run and another five, and they're ahead. And the coach was mentioning that. That's how they play their game. Go out and get the five points and then get your next five points. Don't worry about how what you have at the time. Just get that first five. Once you get that first five, which is kind of just like that slow – trekking along sort of thing. But mm -hmm. I guess not looking at the scoreboard really helps you in that aspect. But next thing you know, we're tied up. It's 24-24. Uh, obviously, Seminole – or Cooper – I mean, Leveland, rather, got ahead again. Seminole came back and just won it. It was really exciting. Um, I know there was a question mark for me as to how good Seminole was going to be this year. They got a new coach. And uh, they graduated pretty big senior class last year, but it looks like they're here to compete. Of course, All Saints in the third place game took down a JV team from Midland Lee, and kind of kind of did what we expected them to do. They they finished second in that tournament last year. Uh, they were coming in after a second place finish at the Shallow Water Tournament, and you know I, I feel like we've covered them. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say, but that is a really good volleyball team down there in South Lubbock getting ready to defend their taps to a state championship. Looks like there's a, there's a high probability that they're going to do that. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me, though, was Shallow Water, which had a great pool play day. I mean, they hit the minimum. They beat the three teams that they faced in two sets each, which which is the minimum you need in, in tournament setting. And they fell to two junior varsity teams, granted from large schools uh, in Lubbock Cooper and the Midland Lee JV team. But that was surprising, and it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back, have a dual uh, contest coming up, and then they're headed off to Denver City to go compete in that tournament, which is the big one for our middle-sized schools this week. Yeah, that's always a real competitive tournament. It's a little little far out there for a lot of these teams to be traveling but there's going to be a lot of good teams in that tournament and I think shallow water is going to be one of them to watch as well as Denver City uh, these are two teams that just in the past have been really impressive every time they face each other it's really fun I wrote about it in uh, Tuesday's paper uh, it's fun to watch them play because there's a bit of a rivalry I think I don't know if that's established at all but <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a rivalry between the two squads but yeah, I think those are two teams to watch heading into it. Uh, Denver City will be on its home court, so we'll see how they fare. And then another interesting tournament in 
we've been seeing our big schools from this area travel to the Metroplex uh, for every weekend since the volleyball season began in mid-August. And finally, a home event, sort of, so to speak. And it, it is a true home event for friendship. A big tournament going on in Wolfworth that's going to feature a lot of the largest West Texas volleyball programs. Uh, there's going to be exactly 32 teams at this tournament. And I think it's going to be actually split between Friendship and Lubbock Cooper. Uh, they're going to be working at both gyms. I think they're both going to be sponsoring this thing. I'll need to make sure to double check before we write anything up on it. But it's called the 2017 West Texas Spike Fest. So 32 teams, nine in our coverage area. Uh, a lot of teams from El Paso. We got Bel Air, Montwood, uh, Socorro, Burgess. Uh, we have Amarillo Caprock coming down, Abilene Cooper. Uh, some of the teams to watch from our area, obviously, is going to be Coronado. Coronado, Plainview, who won the silver bracket, I believe, over at the Loveland Tournament. Uh, Trinity Christian. We're finally going to get to see Trinity Christian in action. They've been kind of uh, out in the Amarillo-Abilene area, so we haven't exactly – we haven't had the chance to see them. So it'll be exciting to see how they play. Uh, Lubbock Cooper's going to be there, who's obviously really competitive, uh, hard-hitting team, I would say. Uh, Leveland will be there. We'll see how they bounce back from that um, rally that Seminole had on them. And Seminole's going to be there. So let's see if they can get another tournament. This one will be a little rematch coming up. Yeah, there you go. Let's look for it in the bracket play. Um, Monterey. Monterey, who beat Leveland earlier last week, they're going to be there as well. And that's a team that I feel – it, it, not underdogs coming into the year, but I, I knew that they were going to be good, but I feel like they're they're up there. They're up there. I think they're one of our top five teams in this area right now. Uh, if Monterey and Coronado kind of uh, meet each other, that's going to be a district preview, see how they fare. And, of course, uh, host teams, Cooper, Friendship will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. That'll that'll entail our Saturday coverage after covering football scrimmages Friday evening. We're going to go to this volleyball tournament, and and then guess what? We get into our routine with with um, kind of football leading the way uh, from from that point forward. So it's it's a really interesting time, and volleyball's not that far away from district at this point. Less than a month to go, uh, they've been burning it up. I mean, most of these teams now have like 15 matches under the belt. It's crazy because. We were talking two weeks ago, and teams were 1-0 or 0-1. Yeah, these tournaments definitely get your record <laughs> either you know, for or against. But, yeah, uh, ask the coach, and I believe she said their record was 12-4. and And I was like, wait a minute, so I just covered a team last week that was 5-6. and six. What happened? But these tournaments definitely do that. But it's good. Uh, more experience for these players, um, fast turnaround for district. I think it's – almost exactly a month away from our first district game. And if you think about it, that's not a lot of time. Uh, Maybe two matches within four-week period. So you're looking at eight matches as opposed to these 15 games that they've already played. But I think District 4-5A is going to be interesting to watch with Coronado, Monterey, and Cooper. I think those three teams are going to be – oh, and Lubbock High. You were talking earlier in the year, Lubbock High looked impressive. So we'll, we'll see how that kind of pans out. Just as exciting as the football, I would say, in terms of, you know, district play. You want to play a game with me? Let's play. I've been waiting, anticipating this all day. It's called Bold Predictions. Bold and Predictions. Here are the ground rules. Sorry, friendship. Sorry, plain view. We're only going to be talking about teams 
or districts that have two South Plains teams or more in them. Not that we won't talk about them down the line. This no is doubt. Just, we, we're just, going to make some bold predictions. Yeah, today. we want to we want to anger some people right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the first district that comes up is District Four Five A. Just like volleyball should be very competitive in football, who you got to win this thing? Okay, so my bold prediction. I don't know if it's bold because I feel you could pick any. There's four teams that you can pick. It's not exactly bold, but I know the favorite coming in is Coronado. Okay, so, and we made that prediction earlier in our tab that, you know, Coronado is going to win it. My bold prediction, Monterey. I'm going to go Monterey. I almost went Cooper. Ah. I think you saw the hesitation. Oh, ah, you but. stole it from me. <laughs> I am, I'm very torn between Coronado and Monterey because I think they're going to be a very similar team. Uh, the big question for Monterey is how their defense develops mm-hmm. because they lost seven starters from last year's team. But if they can pull that together, they're going to be up there with Coronado. Now, I will say Coronado has the established defense returning. I mean, they have the leader among 5A players across the state in tackles and, and Trey Stevens, and he is an awesome, awesome young linebacker. And then they have Miguel Garcia, who led the state in sacks, regardless of classification last year. But if Coronado can get up into that area they could be a very good team not only in this district and down the road and all it takes to win this district is probably one win against coronado for monterey i think i think monterey is going to be that good yeah so both of our bold predictions are going to settle with monterey monterey yeah okay the great compromise <laughs> but that's what this is all about you know we've, we've got to see some practices and everything sometimes opinions change we'll see if we continue with uh believing this throughout the season and that brings us to class class 4a division one and our district is 14a division one which is level land pampa borger and estacado who you got so coming into this and i I think it's good that we kind of um we'll, we'll go with dave campbell's and everything and where they're predicted to finish before we make bold predictions and level land is the favorite coming into this um my bold prediction, maybe it's not too bold again because this is a four-man district, so uh, I'm going to go Estacado. I think Est- it's Estacado's year to win the district title. Yeah, sorry, Level Land. I have to go Estacado too, but it's okay. You're still going to make the playoffs, but Lubbock Estacado has just bevies of talent, uh, and, and it's talent that people don't even really know about yet to, to some degrees. Yeah, uh, every time you go out there, it seems like there's a new name that's kind of surfacing uh, a new player that's, you know, kind of climbing the ranks for them. Obviously, they're without Seth Porter early on. But come district time, uh, if he's healthy, they're going to play him. And he's he's a hard kid to bring down. He's a fast kid. But uh, I, it's nothing against Leveland. It's just Estacado right now. I, I know more about Estacado. Maybe I'll go out to a Leveland practice this week, and next time we play bold predictions uh, – I may have something else to say, you know. Well, the the knock on Level Land obviously is that they've lost quarterback Nick Gerber, and and that's hard because he was the area's most productive quarterback, regardless of classification. When you think about all the things he did and how much better he made that team, now his brother Chris Berger, Chris Gerber is coming in to the quarterback positioning, you know, probably is a very similar person, but we haven't seen him in this role and it's hard to make judgments and we we know for a fact what they lost yeah um now this this next 
these next ones that we kind of get into, I think I do have bold predictions for, and that's going to be in Class 4A Division Two. I feel like we do need to visit this just because if you look at two districts that we're going to talk about, there's a lot of really good teams and a lot of upsets in the making. So Class 4A, Division Two, 1-4A, Perryton, Brownfield, Bushland, Denver City, Dalhart. Who you got? Who you got winning it all? I got Brownfield winning it all. Oh, we're, we're on the same page. <laughs> I had it. This, the, I did, this isn't a very hard one for me. Either. No, no. Uh, obviously, Bushland's going to be a good team. Uh, Denver City, we'll see how they do moving forward. Perryton's good. Dalhart, we'll see. But... I think with the return of Jalen Nolan, Brownfield's going to be explosive this year. And I see them with the district title. Man, I'm, I'm waiting for the one where we butt heads. I know. It's coming, I think. <laughs> but maybe not for a while. Uh, Jalen Nolan. I mean, just very athletic. Obviously a tough break with his injury problem in his junior season. Uh, he's committed. I think, I think it's good that he set out that even in the basketball season. You know, because now he's 100%, I believe. Totally agree. I mean, football could be his money sport one day. Uh, committed to Oklahoma State. And it would be it would be problematic if, if that injury got any worse. Okay. 2-4-A. Uh, we got Sweetwater, Monahans, Greenwood, Pecos, Fort Stockton, Seminole, La Mesa. Now, obviously, the top, there's three top teams here. Three teams that made... No, the playoffs difficult for some people, and that's Sweetwater, Monaghan, Seminole. Seminole had, you know, this historic season last year. It was impressive, but who do you got? I'm going to go with Sweetwater, and it's not the bold prediction, but I really like what they do on offense. Uh, I got to see them in the state semifinals playing the Gilmer team that McLean Carter had graduated from a couple of years ago, and Gilmer is – you know, one of the premier teams, and they were thinking, we have East Texas speed, and we're just going to blow right past you. And, and they did in, in some ways in that semifinal game, although Sweetwater whooped them. And the reason Sweetwater whooped them was because they had these really ingenious offensive formations and a great quarterback to make it happen. I mean, these guys line up their wide receivers almost literally on the sideline at times. They will spread you out, and they have some athleticism to go along with that. So they have athletic players in, in wide space. And even when you have a tough defense like Seminole, which has Cade Barnard, you know, probably the best defensive prospect in a 100-mile radius that's not committed right now, you, you're going to get by him at, at points. And I, I think that Sweetwater is a safe bet to win this district. Although... I could easily see Seminole getting to the regional level of competition in the playoffs again. I mean, you look at their talent, Reese yeah. Moore, Barnard, and a bunch of people that we still need to discover through the course of this season. I'm going to go Pecos. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's my own mater. No, no offense to Pecos, but this is a tough district, you know. Uh, my actual choice is going to be Monahans. Uh, traditionally, I think they're a really good team, and they return a really good running back in Tillian McAllister. They don't pull any wool over your eyes, so to speak, into what they're going to do. Um, I feel like they got a chip on their shoulder for what Seminole did to them in, <laughs> in the playoffs. And my bold prediction is going to be Monahan's winning the district title. So where do you have Seminole? We, we, we've talked about uh, Monahan, Sweetwater, and – We've brought Seminole into this conversation a lot, but where are they and where would Sweetwater be in the same mix? Yeah, uh, so again, no offense to any teams. These are just some predictions. So I see Monahans, Sweetwater, Seminole. 
not to say that any three of those couldn't be jumbled up in that top three, but that's just where I, I think they lay right now, in my mind. It's very close, and there are some good programs in here. Maybe you haven't had the best seasons in a while, but there are some good programs that are likely to, to hop up and surprise someone. And it's a huge district. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's just it's tough to get to the playoffs out of this district, no matter who you are. And I wouldn't be surprised if all these teams that we've mentioned have one or two losses at the end of the district slate. Yeah, yeah, it's a real competitive district. It's not like the one that Plainview – or all districts are competitive. But in terms of size, Plainview, which we're not going to talk about today, but I just wanted to mention, you know, they, look at their district. You got eight, eight-team district. That's tough. And that just kind of shows – I think it's a reflection of how tough this one is too with um, – what is it, uh, six, seven? Seven. Seven. Yeah, uh, it's going to be hard to get out of uh, – district but i think those are the top three right there fourth uh, is a toss-up i think with the rest of the teams and that brings us to the 3a division one level and i know we have a lot of listeners from this district and it's district one shallow water muleshoe littlefield river road slayton friona who you got okay so let's reference back to uh predictions and uh, I think they have Miyoshu winning the district. And I don't think they're wrong. I'm going to go Miyoshu on this one. I think coming in, I was leaning towards Littlefield, but I'm going to stick with Miyoshu. I think they're going to be, in terms of like teams that are going to surprise us this year, I think that's going to be Miyoshu. Ooh, you've pinned me. <laughs> so I was going to go Miyoshu. But for the sake of debate, I don't know if Shallow Water is going to make a massive jump its first season uh, with Brian Wood, but. I think that there's a lot of talent there. You've seen what they're capable of doing, what, what they did just three seasons ago. They went to the state semifinals. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent there. Some of those brothers are on the team now. I, I think that there's – I think you're going to see a big leap from the Mustangs this year. I think so too, uh, but it's always hard to gauge a first-year program. Or not first-year program, but a first-year under a new coach. Right. Um, I was out at their practice. Uh, they have an impressive quarterback. Um, they have athletes all over the place. And talking with anybody there, you ask, what's their strength? And they say our athleticism on both sides of the ball. You know, I also saw some big kids. So I don't see them making a huge jump into, let's say, a district championship. But I, I see them making the playoffs for sure. Uh, like I said, coming into it, I did. My favorite was Littlefield just because they won it last year. And they bring back Chris Douglas and uh, R.C., Matthew R.C., who's an all-state uh, defensive lineman. But I don't know. I Right now, I'm just feeling a, a surprising season out of the mules, you know. What would you need to see out of both Shallow Water and Littlefield to stack them as high as you've put your shoe? For Shallow Water, it would have to be an offense like it used to run. Or not used to run, but... Last year, their offense would kind of be stalled at times. If I could see them kind of just not necessarily running up the score on people, but being competitive and actually, you know, uh, moving the ball down the field, because sometimes it would be three and out, three and out, three and out. But if they can get to a point where they can move the ball effectively, I think Shallow Water's in the mix. And that brings us to 3A Division Two, where the area only has one district, and it's District 2. Idaloo, Roosevelt, 
Colorado City, Stanton, Coloma. This one, I I think it's pretty easy. Yeah, this one we, we probably should have skipped this one yeah, for, in terms of bold predictions, but it, I think it's Idaho. It's it's Idaho. Idaho is easily a top six program in this classification year over year. So it's so cool actually being out there and seeing their state, you know, banner 2010. I was reading through some of the names, and you know, we were talking about how Shallow Water had some of those kids, little brothers coming back. Idaho had that a couple of years ago, and you forget in these small town schools that that's a thing, <laughs> family members, which we'll get into when we get to 2A Division Two. No doubt. Two districts. One we're not going to talk about, which is District 4, because only Post belongs to it, along with Holly, Stamford, Anson, and Forzen. Side but, note, I do have post winning that district. Yes, I do too. Um, and this is Class A Division One that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Division One. Now, this district, this district, I think, comes down to one game, and it's District Two with New Deal, Abernathy, Floydata, Sundown, Hale Center, Olton. Who you got? Okay, so two of these teams have, you know, been back and forth the last couple years and if I was to make a bold prediction right now you know gun to the head I want to go I want to say it obviously I might it might be crazy to say but I feel like this team showed a lot last year and I think that they right now I feel like they could be in the mix with this with the graduation that some of these teams did see and kind of what they're bringing back but Hell Center I love it. Teed you up. <laughs> Adam Cummings, he's done a great thing with uh, some great stuff there. And uh, I like their offense. I think it's different for 2A. Uh, there's a good contrast between running back and and uh, quarterback. And, yeah, that's my bold prediction is going to be hell center. Yeah, if we're going bold prediction, if we're going bold prediction and you've taken hell center, then mine can't be very bold. But I think a new deal could could push Abernathy. I think I, 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 it's 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 hard to go against Abernathy. Obviously, they they won the region last year. Now there were some tight games, and one of those was its new deal game, a twenty-one to twenty win in district play. So not a whole lot separates these two teams. Uh, so I'd say new deal. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to come down to just a couple of games, and I think we've mentioned the teams that it's going to come down to. Yeah, and. Uh... We'll see how Floyd Data responds this year, uh, Sundown, uh, how they kind of play, Alton, all of them. I think it's a fun district uh, with having these rivalries, so to say. But, yeah, uh, for some reason my gut or no, my heart wants to go with Hale Center right now. I mean, they have a great think, quarterback. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We went over 2,000 yards last year. So I don't think it's out the realm of possibility that you know, they're in the mix. And that brings us to the second-to-last group of teams we're talking about today. We're only going to cover 11-man, unfortunately, just because of time constraints. It's 2A Division Two, and the first district is District Two with Wellington, Memphis, Crosbyton, Clarendon, sorry, messed up that word, Lockney, and Rawls. And this one's another like clear cut for me. I think Crosbyton's going to take it. Um, I have them winning this one. I don't know if that's a bold prediction or not, but I have Crosby yeah. winning this one. Yeah, we can't be suicidal with these predictions. Crosby yeah. pretty good. Maybe I was a little suicidal with Hell Center, but I like it. <laughs> District 3, and I think this one's fun. 
Farwell, Spring Lake Earth, Sudan, Bovina, Smyre, or Morton? Who you got? Hmm. It's another good one. There's a big question mark, I think, on some of these teams in terms of what they're bringing back and stuff. Uh, I think I'm going to go Spring Lake Earth on this one. I'm going to go Farwell. Okay. I, th- I think Farwell's got a good history and a good program tradition. Well, I like it when we disagree. <laughs> okay, um, 4 2 a You want to get into a. that one? Yeah, this, this one. I think it's another clear it's cut. It's another clear still. cut, yeah. It's, it's Seagraves, which hasn't missed the regionals the past four years. It's Roscoe, Hamlin, Tahoka, Plains, and Robbie. I think Seagraves is a clear cut, but I'm going to say Tahoka is going to be up there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because Seagraves has this great history, but they've only won district two out of the four times they've made it to the regionals the past four years. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what it is about them, and I'm not going to bet against them, but sometimes they slip up in district. Sometimes they get off to a slow start, and then they just catch fire when they go to the playoffs. They're a good playoff team. I think when it comes down to that, that's whenever they just kind of get things rolling. Uh, I, I think that maybe that uh, that that what sits in the back of your mind in playoffs is win or go home. Maybe this is a team that doesn't want to go home. <laughs> And, so, and they want to continue to keep playing football. So is there anything about Tahoka that, that stands out, that, that just something you saw that makes you think that they might slip up and, and win this thing? Out of Tahoka, I just think uh, they return one of their competitive players on offense. And uh, I believe Stephen Overstreet, I believe, yeah, and Tahoka took over. I don't know. Uh, last year there were times whenever Tahoka was really good. And they – had some injuries last year that just hampered them. And I think if they can stay healthy, then they're in the mix. I, I think they were heading in a good direction last year, and we'll see how they do this year. Final district. It's TAPS Division Three, District 1, with Lubbock Christian, Trinity Christian, Fort Worth Lake Country, Munster Sacred Heart, Fort Worth Calvary, Willow Park Trinity, and Amarillo San Jack. It's a lot of teams. That is a huge district. <laughs> like we were talking about earlier, there's a lot of travel that goes on into this one. I think it really comes down to two teams. Mm, I think so. What, what are you thinking? I'm thinking Munster Sacred Heart is going to come away with this one. It's, it's usually one of the premier teams of Temps Division Three, and I think they're awfully mad about uh, what happened in the Lubbock Christian game last year. Yeah, I'm going to go Lubbock Christian just because I really like the – their offense. Their offense is designed to go out and score some points. I think they averaged 44 a game last year. So, uh, okay, so a bold prediction, I would love, say love, love it, Christian. Christian. Love yeah, it. I'm being super bold in bold predictions today, aren't I? <laughs> now, I will say I, I do think Trinity is making it to the playoffs again this year. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. I think uh, Lubbock Christian and Trinity Christian are getting out of this thing this year. Some of those kids that helped start that program are now entering their junior, senior years, and that's always a good thing. Um, they've been playing on the varsity level for a long time now, so there's experience. So I think there's a lot of excitement with Trinity, too. I think I think they're going to be above 500. I yeah. I really do. Maybe uh, that's our bold prediction. Last year they went 3-8. Yeah, I, I, I think that – Trinity Christian, I don't even know if it's that bold. I think that they're going to finish above 500 after last year's 3-8 and eight season. I think so, too. And maybe it's not a bold prediction, but I would say 
above 500. I, I could see that. I think that's feasible. Man, I'm kind of tired now. How about you? Uh, I'm waiting for the week where we're going to start getting a little bolder. I think this was the start of something where we're going to really start rolling and start making some bold predictions. Maybe we'll maybe maybe, maybe I'll make some bold predictions in the future. <laughs> um, before we uh, kind of wrap it up, I think we we have something exciting to kind of talk about. You know, out in Estacado, we got a video project. Yes, the process and. You heard Brad got referenced earlier. Brad has been awesome in producing this. Carlos Silva has been awesome in producing this. Uh, it's going to be an inside look into the Estacado program, uh, which is automatically going to make the playoffs, so you know you're going to get 11 videos out of it. But these things are going to come out on a weekly basis, tell you some of the stories about the coaches, tell you some stories about the kids, and really not a whole lot about the game because we want to show you what makes a football program tick between – the end of a game and kick off the next game. And I think that the first episode is really going to surprise a lot of people. Not be, you know, it's it's not something about this premier team like Title Town with Alito. It was, I mean, it was greatly produced, but it was this team that just kind of had an easy time uh, for the most part. I think that Estacado is going to have some struggles. I think that they're going to have to bind together at times this season even though they're going to make the playoffs, even though we've predicted them to win their district. And you're going to be able to see that this year, and I think it's going to be really special. What I think is exciting about it is if you go over there, there's more than just football going on, talking with the coaches, and everybody will get to see how these coaches actually affect these kids' lives and these kids, what they go through before leading into Friday Night Lights and what they deal with in the background. So I think it's a little exciting. Or I actually think it is exciting. I think it's something fun that we're going to do. And uh, I believe the first episode is September 5th. September and, uh, 5th. Yeah, keep, keep an eye out for that. Um, UMC is helping, <coughs> uh, excuse me, is helping us sponsor that as well. Well, that's going to do it for us. We really appreciate you listening in. We want to thank UMC uh, for sponsoring this podcast as well as the process. And please be sure to... Subscribe to this podcast and all the other great ones from the Avalanche Journal, either through iTunes or directly on your iOS devices. We really appreciate your time, and we'll catch you again next week.